Hi, welcome to Living Well with Caitlin, a podcast with me, Caitlin Sule. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in using cognitive behavioral therapy and positive psychology to help people learn to let go of the ways of thinking and being that are holding them back or keeping them stuck from living their best life. In this podcast, I use my voice to share tips and tools from my own clinical experience, interviews from experts in the field of psychology, and my own personal insights around mental and emotional wellness to help support us learn to live well with whatever life throws our way. Hi guys, I hope you're all taking really good care. I know these are some wild days and everything seems to be changing by the minute. Um, I know there's a sense of unease and uncertainty and just new territory that we're walking through. So I wanted to share an episode that I did in the very beginning of my podcast recording days called Learning to Live Well with Worry. It um, was one of the most popular episodes that I did, and I think it's because it goes into some real tactical ways that you can cope better with your anxiety and worry. It was meant for people who struggle with chronic anxiety, but at this time, I feel like we're all sort of getting a taste of that. So I wanted to reshare that as a tool for you guys who are struggling or just looking to find um, some tools and things that you can do to cope better and manage your anxiety this week. Remember that taking good care of others starts with taking good care of yourself. So I hope that this podcast finds you taking good care of yourself, making the best out of these times that you can. And please feel free to DM me, message me, um, go to my website um, for resources. I'm going to be offering some discounted remote online video sessions for people who are wanting to do a therapy or coaching session to help manage their anxiety as well. That will be this Friday, and then I might even extend it to Monday and Friday of next week. So Go to my website, PetalumaCBT.org, to find out more info, and I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Cheers. Welcome to episode two of Mother and More. Thanks for being here and for listening. I want to remind you guys that you can subscribe on iTunes. In fact, I'd love it if you would. That way you're up to date when any new episodes come out and share it with a friend if you like what you're hearing. Let's dive in. So this episode today is for everyone who's experienced the weight of anxiety. I want to talk about what anxiety is, what it isn't, and I want to give you three tools you can start working on that you can start using today to combat your anxiety. You know, anxiety is a reality for so many. In fact, studies show it to be the number one mental health problem. The universal truth about anxiety is almost everyone has experienced it at some point in their life and nobody, I mean nobody, likes having it. The thing is, and what I wish, what I want more people to know is that it's one of the most, if not the most treatable mental health disorder, issue, struggle, whatever you want to call it. It's treatable. You need to find a therapist if you want to dive into this work and do it and, you know, really take a look at what's going on and get the help is you need to find a therapist who is grounded in evidence-based practice, something like CBT, ACT, mindfulness. Um, but, but nobody should have to sit with the weight of anxiety and, and not know what to do about it. It's treatable, you guys. So nobody sets out, right, to live a life that's controlled by fear. You know, I work with kids in my practice, and one of the hardest and most sad things to see is parents blaming themselves 
or worse, other people assuming it's the parent's fault that the kid is anxious. Anxiety is just something that some people have more than others. Some people are born with it. It's a temperament style. And of course, it can be made worse or better by environment, just like anything else. But it's an experience nobody asks for, especially for their child. I want to add, though, that kids who have anxiety, or really people who have anxiety, tend to be some of the kindest and smartest people. I often joke that the reason why kids are so anxious is because they're so smart that they actually know all the things that can kind of go awry in this world. Seeing people to learn to walk through anxiety and live well with worry continues to be one of my favorite parts of being a therapist, but the work isn't easy. So let's unpack anxiety for a minute, what it is and why we have it. So anxiety is, as I said, a a universal truth for everybody. Nobody gets through this life without some level of anxiety. And it's protective. Um, It's a primitive biological thing. And it's critical for keeping us alive and well. Kind of without going off on a tangent about the origins of anxiety, the fact is we are hardwired for survival and struggle. So when there's danger, our nervous systems react instantly with a flight, fight, or freeze response. It is this response that we get to thank for surviving each day. It's the one that makes us run from a burning building or slam on the brakes when we see a car ripping through an intersection. But when people have an anxiety disorder or experience a lot of anxiety in their life, it's like there's a glitch in the neurological system and the brain is constantly giving false alarms to the nervous system, giving it the message that it's in imminent danger. I like to use the example with the kiddos I work with that it's like there's a big scary animal like a tiger in front of you that you need to run from all the time, but it's not really there, but your brain is tricking you. So it's exhausting. It is. And if you have anxiety as part of your life, you know that all too well. There are many types of anxiety, including social anxiety, panic disorder, agoraphobia, phobias, which, you know, Phobias of specific things like fear of vomiting, fear of driving, fear of spiders, separation anxiety, OCD, and the list goes on. But what I want to talk about mainly in this episode is generalized anxiety, which is a real mental health diagnosis. In fact, it's the most common one, but known more kind of commonly in popular culture as the worry wart. You know, the one who overthinks, overanalyzes, plans everything. Uh, prepares for the what-ifs, over-controls, kind of just worries almost about any and everything. Some people are obvious worrywarts, seemingly always anxious, while others will hide it and show it to the world less. You might be surprised to find out they have anxiety. Typically, people with generalized anxiety have worry that crosses over three or more areas in their life. So that might look like worrying about like finances, worrying about natural disasters, and worrying about social situations, just for an example. But the point is, when it's left untreated or uncared for, anxiety oftentimes leads to depression. And indefinitely leads to a life that is led by fear instead of by you. And I really believe that we were meant to be the one in the captain's seat of our own life. 
There are always going to be external things happening around us that we can't control, but the one thing we can control is how we decide to respond. So in order to help people respond better to these false alarms they're getting when they have anxiety, the work I do with people is to train the brain to do things a little bit different than the way it's been doing it before. It kind of brings us to our first tool, a really important tool, is being able to determine what is a real alarm and what is a false alarm when it comes to anxiety. One of my favorite psychologists and authors, Dr. Reed Wilson, refers to this as signals versus noise. He's got a great book for people wanting to do this you know, work of combating anxiety called Stopping the Noise in Your Head. Uh, I'll put the name in my episode notes so you can check it out. But anyway, we need to determine if the things we're feeling in our body, which which is, you know, typically where we feel anxiety first, or the thoughts we are experiencing in our mind are in reaction to something we really need to be paying attention to, or if it's just noise. This is where it can get tricky for people with anxiety. As my worriers know, worry can feel protective. I'm going to say that again. Worry can feel protective. People form all kinds of beliefs around the purpose and usefulness of their worry. You know, sometimes it sounds like, well, the more I pay attention to my body, the more likely I'll be to catch the disease before it's too far gone. Or if I just plan really well for the worst case scenario, I'll know what to do if plan A fails. Okay, fine. That's true. We have to do that in life a little bit, right? We have to plan for the what ifs um, so that we know how to cope, But the problem is, is that when we do that kind of thinking in response to a false alarm or noise, we are sending the message to our brain that there is in fact something to worry about, which reinforces the worry and the vicious cycle begins. This is where anxiety starts. Okay, so now that we've identified, you need to determine if it's a signal or noise, which takes some time. What do you do with that thought when it comes up? When a fear, thought, or uncomfortable sensation comes up in your body and we've determined if it's a signal or a noise, we need to know how to respond to it differently. If it's a signal, it might sound something like, uh, you know, my back's been in a lot of pain for two weeks now and it's getting worse and worse. Whereas noise is a relentless chatter that anxiety feeds on. Noisy thoughts sound like, You know, my back hurts, it comes and goes, but what if it gets worse? What if it's a terrible disease? What if it's cancer? You know, what will my kids do without me? See the difference? And and I'm not making fun of the noisy thoughts. They're, They're real and they're painful. But there's a difference. Signals are based in fact. Noise is amplifying and predicting the future. So if you determine it's a signal and you know what to do, take care of it, go to the doctor, whatever next step you need to do. But if it's noise, we need to be able to say, all right, I I don't have to do anything to get rid of this. I'm just going to let it be, like John Lennon said. (laughs) While it may not seem like it, this is a really big shift and it takes a lot of practice. Warriors are used to taking action on their worries. So instead of just letting the worry be there, they have to do something to get rid of it. Once we determine it's noise or a false alarm, which by the way, almost always is, then the thing we do different is just let it be there. I'm going to say it again. Probably keep saying it. Just let it be there. Say to yourself, I don't have to do anything to get rid of this feeling. 
this is a hard one even for me. I mean, I study anxiety. I teach about anxiety. Um, I have a clinical practice based on working with people who have anxiety. And even I experience thoughts or physical sensations that will send me down that rabbit hole of needing or wanting to know the answer right away. Before I knew what I know now about anxiety, I would do all the things that I, that I see my clients do. Let it build, stuff it, avoid, so that way I don't have to face it. And, and like, I, you know, the kind of typical therapist question is, well, how that, how's that working for you? It doesn't work. I know from experience. So here's how we stop that kind of chatter in its tracks. Here's how we shift out of unhelpful thinking patterns and get unstuck. We need to shift our thoughts to make space for new beliefs by paying attention to our thoughts and simply asking these two questions. Are they helpful and are they true? Okay, so maybe it's a true thought, but is it serving you? Is it helpful? If the answer is no, it's time to do some work and get unstuck with a more balanced thought. So here comes the second tool, which is a thought recognition. Thought records are the basic way to teach thought recognition. I want to do an episode solely on how to do a thought record because I believe it's one of the most important tools when it comes to dealing with all types of anxiety. In fact, really all types of emotion. In short, thought recognition is the process of creating thoughts that are both helpful and true, not based on fear or limited perspective. Now, they aren't like Pollyanna thoughts or positive thoughts as some like to call them, but they are thoughts that are going to help you cope with and overcome the intense emotion and feelings that anxiety can bring. An anxious thought sounds like, you know, the one above, I I think I talked about before, which is my back hurts. What if it's cancer? You know, he looked at me weird. Is he mad at me? Um, What did I do? I better take care of this now and goes on and on and on. A balanced thought sounds like Feeling this sensation in my body is uncomfortable and it scares me, but all I'm going to do is allow it to be there. If it's not better in a week, I will call the doctor or, well, maybe he's got something on his mind and that's why he gave me that look. I'm just going to let it be for now and acknowledge the emotion that comes up with that. It's okay to, to, to recognize that that makes you feel uncomfortable or scared or anxious, but remember, you're just going to let it be there. It's like the hardest thing to learn, but the most important. We're so used to feeling like we have to get out of uncomfortable emotion, that we have to run away from it. We're like ashamed of it, but it's just part of the human experience. The thing about anxious thoughts is that they are literally signaling your brain to stay on alert, be hypervigilant, and it causes you to act and behave from a place of fear, creating the belief that you need to be in control of everything. Well, guess what? We simply aren't. We are not in control of a lot of what happens in this world, but we are in control of what we do about it, how we respond. This takes me to the last tool, which again, we could like do so much more on and I really want to in the future. Leaning into uncertainty. In fact, welcoming it. You're going to hear me talk a lot about this because I love this subject because I believe it's so powerful. Leaning into uncertainty is hard. Otherwise, we'd all do it. Like if there's one thing that I hope for my clients, myself, my loved ones, is to be able to develop this skill. 
See, uncertainty yields not knowing, which also means losing the illusion that we were ever in control. People that are anxious spend a lot of time controlling, orchestrating, and it can be over the top and quite frankly annoying for their loved ones. But the reason why they do it is because they're coming from a place of wanting to make sure nothing quote unquote bad or unplanned or painful happens, not just to themselves, but for the ones they love. Whenever I hear a client use that line of logic, like, you know, really wanting to be certain, I ask them, you know, how certain are you right now? For example, that your car is still in the parking lot. And they're usually really confused. Like, what? I mean, you left it there, but how do you know with 100% certainty that it's still there? Then follows an uncomfortable, well, I don't. Yeah, you're right. We don't. We can't know for sure. Then I'll ask them to sit with that uncertainty for a couple minutes. Don't go into fix-it mode. Don't problem solve. Just let it be there. As hard as it is to own, uncertainty is certain. People with anxiety are really good problem solvers. Like I said before, they're really smart. So it's not about solving the problem. It's about learning to let the uncertainty be there. So in short, we kind of want to do the opposite of what anxiety wants us to do. In fact, not kind of, we want to do the opposite of what anxiety wants us to do. And it wants us to hide, avoid, plan. Instead, we're going to lean into it. Lean into uncertainty, welcome uncertainty, the not knowingness of life. It's a skill that takes a lot of practice, a lot of grace, and it's okay to have to start over. This doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. So I covered quite a lot and really to do this work, it takes more than just like a quick podcast episode, but I hope I gave you a good overview of some things you can try right away or at least start thinking about. So I want to review the three steps quickly. First, determine if the worry is a signal or noise, false alarm or real. Second, notice your thoughts and feelings, make space for them and shift into telling yourself something more helpful and true, create a balanced thought. Third, Practice leaning into and welcoming uncertainty. There are a lot of ways to approach anxiety and so many more concepts and tools. But when I think about like what actually shifts or changes for people when they're able to say that they've learned to live well or better with their worry is that they're actively doing these things in their life. They're questioning whether or not their sensations or thoughts or signals or noise, reworking their thoughts so that they're more helpful and true and allowing and eventually asking for things to be uncertain. In a psychology lecture, I once heard my professor say something really simple yet so powerful. He said, do what you will, but do it with your eyes open. So let me ask you, how do you deal with your anxiety? Do you avoid, distract? Do you plan, overthink, overanalyze? It's all right if you do. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's just a way of coping that you, me, and millions of other people have adopted or learned along the way. But if it were working well, anxiety wouldn't be showing up in such a big and disruptive way in your life and millions other, million of others. So I'm going to ask you another question then. Are you willing, even just for this once, to try something different? Just this once to try something different. Consider the possibility that while you can't be certain of most anything in life, 
you can be certain of your willingness to do things that are hard so that you can grow, so that you can show up in the best way possible for yourself, your family, and live a life that is rich and meaningful. If you guys liked what you heard today, like I said, please subscribe on iTunes and share it with a friend. If you're interested in doing some of this kind of work with me, remote or in person, you can head to my website, PetalumaCBT.org. Or if you just want to hear more tips, tools, and thoughts around mental health and sometimes motherhood, follow me on Instagram at mother underscore more. You know, I want to leave you with a song. Music is incredibly powerful when it comes to helping us feel and understand things. Songs put into words and sound what speaking oftentimes can't. I hope when you hear this song, it reminds you that sometimes letting things be unknown, simply allowing ourselves to feel the complex emotions that this beautiful and crazy life evokes is enough. You are enough just as you are. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Living Well With. Do me a favor, and if you like what you heard, head to iTunes and subscribe. Share with a friend. Consider writing a review. And if you have any ideas for topics that we could cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at caitlin at petalumacbt.org. You can also head to my Instagram page, which is at livingwell.org underscore with Caitlin, where I talk about different topics each day around mental and emotional health and living well. If you want to be in touch and find out more about what's going on in my practice or upcoming projects, sign up for the newsletter. You can do that on my website or on the link on my Instagram bio. I hope you have a beautiful day. Cheers.